Good morning from the newsroom of the Financial Times. Today is Thursday, December 12th, and this is your FT News Briefing. The Federal Reserve leaves interest rates unchanged, and it seems they'll stay put through next year. And climate talks at the COP25 summit are stalling. We'll get into why. Plus, the FT's Michael Peel reports on how Myanmar's Aung San Suu Kyi went from human rights icon to a leader defending allegations of genocide. And today is Election Day in the United Kingdom. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. Yesterday, the Federal Reserve did exactly what investors had been expecting, leaving rates on hold between 1.5 and 1.75%. That's after a year of three rate cuts. And the U.S. Central Bank indicated, without any objections, that it had no plans to make any changes up or down next year. Our economic outlook remains a favorable one, despite global developments and ongoing risks. With our decisions through the course of the past year, we believe that monetary policy is well positioned to serve the American people by supporting continued economic growth, a strong job market, and inflation near our symmetric 2% goal. That was Fed Chair Jay Powell. Policymakers showed more confidence in the U.S. labor market, dropping their predictions for the unemployment rate for the next three years. This, along with the fact that they plan to hold rates below their 2018 levels for several years, shows that the Fed is losing its traditional fear over inflation. And it's shifting its focus to what it can continue to do to support the labor market. How do you create a global carbon trading market? That question is what's holding up talks at the UN Climate Summit taking place in Madrid. The 197 countries that are part of the Paris Accord are split on creating a framework that would let countries exchange carbon emission offsets or pay each other for emission-reducing projects. The COP25 climate talks have been going on for the last two weeks, and observers say that countries could, yet again, walk away without a carbon-trading market deal when things close on Friday. Negotiators failed to resolve the issue at last year's summit in Poland. The carbon market is the last thing that countries need to agree on in order to finish their Paris Pact rulebook. But China got in the way of an agreement on how to submit emissions reports to the UN. And the US? Well, it picked a fight over the use of the word multilateralism. Activist Greta Thunberg added pressure to the talks yesterday and tore into negotiators for their lack of progress. The biggest danger is not in action. The real danger is when politicians and CEOs are making it look like real action is happening when, in fact, almost nothing is being done apart from clever accounting and creative PR. And in other news, a U.S. congressional committee found that the Federal Aviation Administration commissioned a study following the first two fatal accidents involving Boeing's 737 MAX. It showed that the plane was more accident-prone than most aircraft. But the aviation regulator only grounded the plane after the second crash in March. Israel will go to the polls for a record third time in the span of a year. The Knesset dissolved Thursday at midnight local time. It comes after Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu and his political challenger, Benny Gantz, were unable to form a governing coalition after each of the last two elections. The next election is expected to be held sometime in March. 
And Harvey Weinstein has reached a tentative deal with most of the women who accused him of sexual assault. Sources told the FT the $45 million settlement would end nearly all civil lawsuits against the disgraced movie mogul. The settlement is not finalized and must still be approved by a U.S. bankruptcy court. And here's a story you should know more about. Aung San Suu Kyi was an international human rights figure for defying Myanmar's military government. She had been held under house arrest for nearly 20 years under the country's former junta. And when she was released, Aung San Suu Kyi's National League for Democracy Party would eventually go on to win the 2015 election. But yesterday, the Nobel Peace Prize winner and Myanmar's de facto leader downplayed accusations of mass killings, rape, and the displacement of more than 700,000 Rohingya Muslims. The FT's Michael Peel was at the UN's top court for the hearings. Suu Kyi herself is accused of not only not doing anything about this and not speaking out enough about it, but also at times seeming to go along with the narrative that the military doesn't really have much to answer for. And indeed, at one point, she talked about an iceberg of misinformation about what was going on in Western Myanmar. And she, in slightly more measured language, echoed that yesterday by saying that the people who are accusing Myanmar of involvement in genocide side had, had presented a misleading factual picture. Right. In fact, yesterday, Aung San Suu Kyi described this as a complex situation. Here she is addressing the court. Please bear in mind this complex situation and the challenge to sovereignty and security in our country when you are assessing the intent of those who attempted to deal with the rebellion. Surely, under the circumstances, genocidal intent cannot be the only hypothesis. Michael, what does she mean here by complex? Well, her argument is that essentially the military is responding to attacks by Rohingya militia groups. Now, these groups do exist and they have indeed attacked security forces. But of course, what Suu Kyi's critics say is that the military response is in no way proportionate to those attacks and that the military has essentially gone on a pogrom and has laid waste to entire Rohingya areas, driven hundreds of thousands of people from their homes and committed murder, rape and other crimes. Michael, protesters stood outside the court yesterday showing their support for Aung San Suu Kyi. Why are so many people with her? Suu Kyi remains immensely popular in Myanmar. The narrative that Suu Kyi promotes about the crackdown on terrorist groups in Rohingya areas is very much the popular narrative in Myanmar, a majority Buddhist country. And this feeds into a long tradition of nationalism, which perceives and argues that Muslim Rohingya are somehow incomers. They're not truly part of Myanmar and is extremely hostile towards them. Of course, it is something that rights groups and others and Rohingya activists argue very strongly against and say is blatantly discriminatory and that Rohingya have in fact been victims of prejudice and harassment for many years, including being stripped of basic rights such as nationality, the right to work. It's easy when thinking about the Rohingya to also think about what's happening in China as it forces hundreds of thousands of its Muslim Uyghur population into detention centers. Michael, why are these two situations being treated so differently? 
clearly there's been an international mobilization, particularly in, but not only in, the Muslim world of horror and anger at what has happened in Western Myanmar. But of course, China has not received anything like the same level of public criticism and vituperation about its own clampdown on the Uyghurs in Western China. And people point to this as, as basically a, a hypocrisy, which is not in any way to excuse or play down what has happened in Myanmar, but that Muslim countries and Western countries are much more reticent about publicly criticizing China, which, unlike Myanmar, is a powerful internationally dominant country that can punish them in all sorts of political and commercial ways if they speak out. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. Today, we'll be keeping an eye on whether the Tories can secure a majority in the UK election. Two weeks ago, a YouGov poll said conservatives were on track to nab a 68-seat majority. This week, that number was down to 28. Follow our live election updates online, which are free to read, at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.